0: Tonight we're going to be introduced to the last good king of Israel. And I say good king, I mean godly king of Judah specifically. And we're going to jump right in and you'll meet uh, King Josiah as we go along. So chapter 22 of 2 Kings verse 1 says this. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And Bozkath is the city from which they were from. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. It's crazy that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. I know that's kind of hard for us to comprehend. I mean, why would we put an eight-year-old there? And, and typically when we see somebody young like that, it's because they want to keep it in the line of David. They, they want to keep you know, the line of David uh, alive, and that's why they're doing that. But typically when you see a young king, there's usually a priest that goes along with them that's kind of helping advise him. Uh, We're not told specifically who that priest was or if there was a prophet that was there with Josiah. But it would seem that the priest uh, Hilkiah was there. And we're going to read a little bit more about Hilkiah. And the interesting thing is Hilkiah had a son and his son was Jeremiah the prophet. So Jeremiah the prophet probably grew up as childhood friends of King uh, Josiah. So that's kind of an interesting little fact there. And according to Jeremiah chapter 1, Hilkiah the priest was the prophet of Jeremiah, and they probably grew up together. Jeremiah didn't receive his calling as a prophet. If you're familiar with the first chapter of Jeremiah, because he was young, he was in the 13th year of Josiah's reign as king. So what we have is we have an 8-year-old on the throne, we have Hilkiah the the priest, and we have Jeremiah the prophet, their friends, and they're all kind of coming up together in this. But I also want you to notice the type of king that it says there in verse 2 that Josiah was. Number one, it says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Number two, it says he walked in all the ways of his father David. And number three, it says he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. What a description. His whole life is summed up in three sentences. Everything about him, there it is. That's what you need to know about the man. And as I began to look at that, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. It's how the Lord saw him. It's how the people saw him. And it's the consistency of his walk. You see, when the Lord looked at Josiah, it says there he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So in other words, from the Lord's perspective, he would have done what was right. And when it says he walked in the ways of his father David, that's the people's perspective. He was just like King David. He followed after the Lord. He was a good leader. He was just like King David. And then the third thing, it just it talks about the third most important thing that he talks about there. that's listed. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And that talks about the consistency of his walk with the Lord. Straight. It wasn't on-again, off-again type relationship. He didn't go to the right or to the left. Using these same three categories, how would the Lord see you? How would your friends and family see you? And what is the consistency of your walk? You probably know what I'm going to say. What would the three sentences be that would describe you? How would your three sentences read? What What would the Lord say about you? What would your friends and family say about you? How would the consistency of your walk be described could you say that you never went from the right to the left and once I accepted Christ I never turned back I just kept right on plowing forward you see unfortunately sometimes what the Lord would think about us and what our friends would think about us might not be the same thing because sometimes as Christians we have a tendency to put on a well we want everybody to think we're better than we really are sometimes we want to pretend that we're better than we really are, and while our friends might look and go, "Yep, they're 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 followers of Christ. They're doing exactly. They're in church all Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. They're right where they're supposed to be." And the Lord would look and go, "Yeah, but they really don't know me that well. Yeah, they really don't spend too much time with me. Yeah, they, I'd like to sp- I'd like to spend a little more time with them in prayer, but they they're just not there." And what about your walk? The consistency of your walk is it? straight and narrow or is it all over the place are you with the Lord close one minute and then kind of way off the next minute is there are are you are you like the you know squirrel dog mouse everything's all over the place or can you just kind of trudge along you know finish the race that's the way Paul describes it we're walking with the Lord just finish the race just keep going just he's called me to a position I'm just going to keep plowing forward one step at a time not worrying about what's going on around me not worrying about results just simply worrying about obedience as I thought about those things, I thought, what would the three things in my life say? And I thought, well, that's no fun. I want to think, what would the three things in your life say? It's always better to think that about somebody else, right? No, I would challenge you to ask yourself that question. And you can't change what the past is, but you can change it from here forward. You know, what's happened has happened. But if there's an area there that you look at and go, man, that's really kind of convicting me tonight. Well, change it from tonight on. You have that opportunity. You can make from tonight on, I'm not turning from the right hand or to the left hand, or I'm following after the Lord. I'm, the Lord's going to see me the same way the people see me. It's going to be the same thing. It's interesting, the whole, the, the whole thing, the whole summary is three sentences. That's what the Lord says about it, three sentences. Now let's look at his life. Well, at least start to take a look at it tonight. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, all right, you math wizards, how old is he now? 26, good, 18th year of King Josiah, that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Isilah, uh, the son of Meshulah, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are overseers in the house of the Lord." Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house to the carpenters and builders and masons and to buy timber and hewn stone and to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Remember the condition of the house of the Lord under the two previous kings, King Manasseh and King Ammon. The house of the Lord had been desecrated. It had been turned into a, 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 a museum of idols, if you will. They had erected idols in the temple there towards God. They, was, they were extremely evil kings. And they had built altars towards pagan gods in the temple of the living God. So here he is at the ripe old age of 26. He's having the temple cleaned up. He's having the thing repaired. He's having all the stuff moved out. He's cleaning all the, all the, all the junk out of it. He's taking the trash out. And he's trying to get the temple back to the way that he's supposed to be doing. But it's the way that that it's supposed to look. He's busy doing the Lord's work. Josiah knew that the rebuilding of the temple required organization. He knew that it required money. It It required both of them. He paid attention to both of those needs in the project. It's important to make sure you recognize all the needs when you start a project. But isn't it cool that the Lord had already provided the money? It was already in the temple. He told them, just go gather the money that we already have, and we're going to use that to build he didn't have to tax the people. He didn't have to beg the people. The Lord already provided for the Lord's work. And how often do we see in, in life where the Lord always provides for his work? You know, anything that the Lord calls somebody to do, he's going to provide financially to do. I'm always leery of, of pastors or ministries that are, that are begging for money. It always comes across to me as like you're, you're, you're diminishing who God is. You know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got everything. If he really wants you to do this, he's going to provide. And I, I don't think there's any, ever a problem with something, you know, this is the need. This is what we believe the Lord's called us to. This is, what it, this is where we're at. There's nothing wrong with giving the information. But I'm always leery when it moves past information, that begins to work on somebody's emotions. And I would encourage you, never give out of emotions. Don't ever, you know, why do you think they put the hungry kids on TV? Because they want you to give money to the starving, and the poor dogs. Now that's the pets. You know, you see the poor dog, he's hungry, and you want you to give. They're, you know, for the, cup of, for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help a starving child or a starving dog, you know. If the Lord moves you to give to that, give. You know, give, give You know, willingly, give freely, give abundantly, if you feel the Lord's calling you to do it. But don't ever be moved out of emotion for a picture or for something like that. Just verse 8. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. It's always good to read the word of the Lord and not just put it on a shelf somewhere. And amazed by what he read, look what he does with it in verse 9. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the, word, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. So Shaphan the scribe, he comes back to Josiah, and he tells him essentially two things. He says, first, we've got all the money like you told us to do. We've got all the money, we've given it to the people that are doing the work, the temple's being cleaned out. And while they're cleaning out the temple, you never going to guess what we found. We found a book of the law. We found, that's like the book that Moses wrote, or perhaps a copy of it. We found the book there. Now, that book was supposed to be kept next to the Ark of the Covenant. If you remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 24 through 27, it tells us a copy of the book of the law was supposed to be kept next to the Ark of the Covenant. But the temple had become so polluted... With idols and and it become about all the other false gods. The actual book of God had been stuck somewhere, shoved somewhere, and now they find it. Uh, the scribe starts reading, and it's it's got to be somewhat amazing. How long has it been put away for? And now he's reading this, going, "Wow, I can't believe what this is saying." I got to go give it to the king. He gives it to the king, and, re- and the king's going, "Wow, this could have been written by Moses himself." By the way, Moses was about eight hundred years or so beforehand. And if you remember, also in our previous study, Manasseh. The evil king had ordered that the book of the law be destroyed. It was something that he didn't want around. He wanted it completely destroyed, but apparently it was hidden somewhere. And that's a good indication to remember that God always preserves his word. God's not going to let the word of God fall. It's never gonna, that's why we still have it today. That's why it's not, not going to go away. You can't destroy it. Several people throughout history have tried to destroy it, but it's not going to happen. The word of God will remain true. Now, Shaphan then begins to read the book of the law to King Josiah and look what happens in verse 11. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. So the word of the Lord had been discarded. And now it's been found. And as Josiah listens to the story of his people. He's listening. Perhaps, uh, perhaps he's reading through, through Deuteronomy. and He's hearing the story about his people. All the things that he had sort of maybe had his, 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 two, his father hadn't even talked to him about. All the things that he's wondering, he's hearing all the stuff about the people and he's reading about it, about the Jewish people, and how God had been faithful to them and how they had been unfaithful to the Lord. I'm sure he hears about the blessings and the cursings in the nation Israel. You know, I'm sure he's hearing about this and he tears his clothes. He literally rips his clothes. And I read this, the tearing of the clothes was a traditional expression of horror and astonishment. He was in horror and he was astonished. Josiah showed his grief on his own account and on the account of the nation. It was an expression of deep conviction of sin and a good thing. So at the word of the Lord comes conviction. As the Lord's word is being read, Josiah is convicted. He tears his clothes. Why? Because he realizes how far the nation really is away from the living God. He realizes how, how debased they've actually become. Of They're of worshiping the false gods. Can you imagine the king, Josiah, as he's listening to God's plan for his people? As he's reading through, perhaps Jeremiah or perhaps Deuteronomy, whatever part of the book of the law, uh, the first five books of the Bible would be the law. Whatever he's reading through, he's hearing it, and he's hearing all this information he's never heard before. He's got he's got to be hanging like on every word. I can't. This is my, the history. Can you imagine if someone was to stand and read about your family, and go all the way back, and they had it all spelled out for you, all the details? Wouldn't you want to read that? I would. I'd want to know what was. I, I know very little about my history, especially past a generation or so once you get a couple generations it, it kind of drops off if someone could provide me a book with that that would be interesting but also more importantly he's telling him about the Lord he's hearing about God how God prescribed the worship how God built the tabernacle how God preserved him in the wilderness how God got him across the Red Sea how God brought him out of Egypt he's hearing about all this stuff that God's doing and it caused him to tear his clothes for all those years it's been hidden and what's really happening Revivals breaking out in his heart his, his heart's—he's—he's he's being revived. You know, he, he, he wanted to serve the Lord. Now he's as he's getting the word of the Lord. Revival's breaking out right in his heart, and conviction of the, of the sins of Israel and what they've done is—it's building inside of him. Revival will always begin with the word of the Lord, and revival will always bring conviction of sin. If you want a revival in your life, and it starts with you personally, if you go, "I really need to be revived," it needs—it's going to come from the word of the Lord. It's not going to come from an emotional preacher that can get you all riled up it's not going to come from a worship team it's not going to come from something like that. it's going to come from the word of the lord that's that's where it comes from it will start with your personal life and spread to those around you you can't give out what you don't have if you want to give out the lord you have to understand the lord you have to experience the lord i, I, I couldn't you know the things that i teach you the things that i'm challenging you on, are things that i'm challenged on if i don't get it from the lord it, it doesn't i can't give it out it would do me no good just to stand up here and, and, and just give you facts and information and figures. You know, I, had to, I have to walk with the Lord every day just like you do. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time in a sense. And revival starts with you personally. It spreads to those who are around you. If you're in need of the, if you're, if you're dry, if you're, if you're just down, you feel like I'm, I'm just not there, press closer to the Lord. You've got to push in harder. Don't, don't pull back. Don't come to the point where, go, oh, well, I'm just not feeling it, so I'm not going. I'm, I'm going to church, so I'm just not really feeling it. And, you know, I, I really kind of need to hear from the Lord, but I just, I don't know. Things just, it's just too tough. I'm just, no, that's, that's when you have to press closer. You press in. He'll never leave you or forsake you. If you're not, if you're not experiencing the closest with him, it's because there's something in your life that's off that's preventing it. It's something, not to say that we don't all go through dry seasons, but it's, as, as believers, we need to press in closer, especially when we're dry. The worst thing we can do is think, well, I'm not getting anything out of church, so I'm just going to stay home tonight. Where we need to be is in church if we're dry. That's that's where we're going to get fed. If you want to hear from the Lord, you're going to have to press into the word of the Lord. And then you're going to have to respond to the word of the Lord. I bet King Josiah was completely blown away as he sat and listened to the word of the Lord being read there. As the Holy Spirit convicted so many emotions, convictions, sadness for the people, just hear joy because he's hearing God's word it's, it's been hidden for so long look what he does in verse 12 then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest Ahiakim the son of Shaphan and a few other people there the scribe and Isaiah a servant of the king saying verse 13 go inquire the Lord for me for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. The king didn't even know what to do. He's reading about, the, about God. He's reading about the wrath of God. He's reading about the blessings and the cursings there, and the, about Joshua when they come into the, into the promised land. You know, if you follow me, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you're going to be cursed. He's reading about all that. And he goes, we've blown it. We've done, all, we've done it all wrong. As people, we're, we're not following God the way we're supposed to do. And what does he do? He says, We need to hear from God on this. We need to, we need, we need to hear from the Lord. He tells Hilkiah and Isaiah, He said, Go inquire of the Lord. Go, go find somebody. He was under conviction, he didn't even know what to do next. I like that. When you don't know what to do, what should you do? Inquire of the Lord. Where do, how do we inquire the Lord? Well, we don't have prophets like they did. We have the Bible. We have the written word of the Lord from cover to cover. You want to hear from the Lord. This is where you're going to hear it from. Not that somebody won't give you a message or a verse and the Lord won't speak through somebody else. But when I need to hear something from God, I need to hear it from Him directly in His word. If you need a message, if you need something from the Lord, it's His word that you're going to find it. You're not going to find it somewhere else. You're going to find it right in that scripture. But you've got to read it. You've got to be willing to go into it. You've got to be willing to dive into it. You have to be willing to seek the Lord. As he heard the word, Josiah knew the kingdom of Judah deserved punishment. He knew they had forsaken God. He knew they had left God. He could not hear the word of God and respond to the spirit of God without doing something about it. What do we do now? That's where he came to. That's the point he was at. What do we do now? He must confront the problem, which was the sin of Judah. What are we going to do? How did we get here? What do we do from this point forward? Let's keep reading as the Lord speaks to him. Look at verse fourteen. So Hilkiah the priest, and a bunch of other people there. You can try their names as you will. They go there and they they went to Huldah the prophetess. That's a, that's a female. Huldah is a female name. Prophetess means she's a woman, uh, the wife of Shalom and it gives some more names here and tells us what she did. She was the keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in the Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. Now we don't know too much about this woman. The only other place in the scripture she's mentioned is in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-four, which is a, a, a version of this story as well. It's basically the same story in Second Chronicles. Now, he says, the king says, "Go, go inquire the Lord." I don't, they don't really tell us whether they went to her first, or where they went, whether there was a line of prophets they went to, or, or how did they get a hold of her. They really don't tell us how it went. Perhaps they went checking around from different prophets. Hey, have you heard anything from the Lord for the king? Hey, no, I nothing, nothing here. Have you, how about you? Have you ever heard anything from the Lord? No. We don't know how it happened, but they go to them and, and they meet with her, and they spoke with her. It says, and you know, it, it's it, it's kind of mind boggling. You know, those are the kind of details I like. Well, how did you know to go talk to her? What what, what was it that led you there? Who was she? We don't really have that information. And we we really can't worry about it. She's relatively, maybe nobody in in the prophetess world, but one commentator wrote this, Adam Clark. He said this, We find from this, as we have many facts in all ages to corroborate it, that a pontiff, a pope, a bishop, or a priest may in some cases not possess the true knowledge of God. That a simple woman possessing the life of God in her soul may have more knowledge of the divine testimonies than many of those whose office it is to explain and enforce them. So kind of what Adam Clark was saying there, this is just a kind of a regular woman who knew the Lord, had a relationship with the Lord, and they needed some help, and she kind of told them what was going on. She had a word from the Lord for him that day. Look what she says, verse 15. Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. In other words, tell him this. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. You see, Josiah knew Judah had sinned against God and deserved the judgment. And now the Lord confirmed that judgment through this woman. I will bring calamity on this place and all its inhabitants. But did you notice why they were being judged? The Lord was judging them. He was telling telling them what happened, but He told them two reasons why they were being judged. Number one, they have forsaken me. They have forsaken me. They've left me. The word forsaken means to leave, to leave behind, to abandon, to let go, or to give up. They left the Lord God, Lord, Lord their God. They left Him. They abandoned. Them. They went on to the things of the world. We're going to go worship the idols of the other nations. We're going to we're going to go find other things. We, It's just not filling for us anymore. We're just going to go find something else to do. It's just not as exciting anymore. We're not getting the results that we want. We have to find another God to worship. The God that will do what I want him to do. Or the God that I will, and I'll make it a her. I'll do what she'll do, what I want him to do. The second thing is it says they have burned incense to other gods. It means they were making sacrifices to other gods. They had left the Lord God the god who had been so faithful to the nation of israel they had they left them and we've watched this happen time and time again in our studies through through the old testament here because of these things the anger of the lord is aroused against the people they the, the lord you know he, they're continually doing the same thing but please don't forget don't forget that how long did they have to repent how long has this been going on that we've been watching this from the moment they left egypt Way back in the book of Exodus, we've watched them whine and complain. And, you know, why did you bring us out of Egypt? And yet God is faithful every step of the way. And here they, here they are. Finally, they, they, it's too, gone too far. It's gone too far. We're, we're going to have to take care of this. And, and through this prophetess, Josiah is told, these people aren't going to make it. This country is going to end. I, I'm, that's it. It's, it's going to be over soon. Let's read as she tells him about himself personally in verse 18. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and you wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Although Judah is too far gone, the Lord said to Josiah, I'm going to spare you. You're not going to have to watch it happen, Josiah. You're going to go. You're going to pass away in peace. You're going to go to be with your fathers. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. Why did the Lord do that? Because his heart was tender. Because he humbled himself before the Lord. Because he tore his clothing. Because he wept for the people of Judah. Because he was moved by the word of God. What does it mean that his heart was tender? It means his heart was soft. His heart was, and here's the better, it's translated sometimes this way. His heart was responsive. It responded to the word of God. It, 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 it changed him. When he heard the word of God, it brought him to a place of, I, I can't believe this. How could, how could our fathers have done this? How, how did we get to this place? His heart was responsive to the word of God. Is your heart tender toward the word of God? Is your heart tender towards God's word? Or does it become a, well, it's just a it's just a history book. It's, just a, it's a book that I don't really understand. It's a book that I, I don't really have time to read. It's a book that I really don't... Eh, come on, Pastor. Don't, don't make us feel bad tonight. How much time do you really spend in the Word of God? If this really is the Word of God, and I believe it is, how much time do you really spend? That convicts me. Because you know what? I don't think we could ever spend enough time in it. I don't think we could... If you can look at me and go, yep, I spend plenty, spend plenty of time in the Word of God, and you're not there constantly... I think you've got, I think it's, that's, that's pride creeping up, you know. I look at that and go, man, I could still spend more. I know I study, I prepare, I love the God's word, I'm constantly reading. I, I, I don't read other books so I can spend more time reading God's word. But how much, but there's always more. Because then you go, oh, you're going to go home tonight and relax and watch a little TV or something or, you know, whatever you do to relax. And you go, well, I could be reading God's word. I could be doing something there. You know, there's always a conviction that says, but I don't, I don't think that's the person that's in danger. I think the person that's in danger is the one that doesn't spend any time in God's word, the one who, I don't need to spend time in God's word. Yeah, I think God's word is where we're gonna we're gonna be met. When when Josiah heard the word of God, his heart was tender. When he heard that what was happening to the nation of Israel, his people, his heart broke. What about us when it comes to our non-believing friends and family? Does your heart break for them? Does it? Does it? Does you look and you go, oh. I mean, I know their life is not right, but they, they don't know the Lord. They don't have what I have. They don't, they don't understand. They're, 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 they don't have the hope that I have. All they have is, if, if their job is stripped away, if their health is stripped away, their life is going to come crumbling down. If their husband or wife leaves them, there, there's no hope there. It's all, it's all just built up, propped up on a lifestyle. You see, Josiah looked at the word of God as he heard it. And he, wow, the people, look where we've become. His heart is tender, but it also says he humbled himself. He tore his clothes, he wept before the Lord when he heard that the Lord spoke against Judah. It caused him to weep of what was going to take place. When you read the scriptures and you see and you begin to understand what's going to happen to those that don't know the Lord, those that have rejected the Lord, it should cause your heart to be heavy. I know sometimes it's like hard to even think about because you've got friends and family that don't, and it just burdens you. And that's the heart that we're supposed to have as Christians. I don't think if if we're callous and go, oh, well, it's too bad. It's their fault, you know, too bad for them. Then I think that's the wrong heart to have. Josiah was burdened. It wasn't about him. It was about the people. He saw where they stood with the Lord. But the amazing thing is Josiah is seeking the Lord. God said this to him. He said, I've heard you. I heard you remember Josiah said Lord I need to hear from you Lord go find a prophet tell me I need to hear from the Lord and the Lord said I heard you I'm going to send you word back I'm going to answer you you want to know what's going on you want to know what's coming next I'm going to tell you Josiah isn't it nice to know the Lord hears us he hears you when you seek him he hears you well why doesn't he tell me everything I want to know well maybe it's not time yet but he hears you he tells Josiah you know what Because of your tender heart, because of your humility, you're going to die in peace. You're not going to see this calamity which I'm going to bring upon the nation of Judah. It's coming after you. Now in our study and through the kings, both 1st and 2nd Kings and even previously, we've run across a lot of different kings. Some were good and some were bad. Some followed the Lord, they followed the Lord faithfully, and others sort of became enemies of the Lord where they actually were they were opposing the Lord, and King Josiah was a good and a godly king. But I want to show you the pattern in his life. I want you. To, I, we're going to go back, and, and I kind of went through that rather quickly that whole chapter. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to outline the pattern both between Second Chronicles 34 and also here in Second Kings 22, because there's a pattern there. I believe the pattern he followed is the same pattern we should follow to promote that godliness in our life. In Second Chronicles 34 verse three tells us. Something very important about him, it says at the age of 16, and you can do the math if you want, at the age of 16, and in his eighth year of his reign, so having been eight years as a king, he's now 16 years old, it says Josiah began to seek the God of his father David. He began to seek the God of his father David. He's 16 years old, he's been on the throne for eight years, and now he says, he's come to the, to the age where he goes, I've got to make a decision here. How am I going to live my life? I need God. I need the God of my father, David, and I'm going to begin to seek him. The first step in being a godly king or even a godly person is to seek the Lord. There was a desire in his heart to know what the Lord wanted for him. He wanted to know the things of God. He wanted to know who God was. He wanted to fellowship with God. If there's no desire in a man's heart for God, why would he ever hear anything from God? You see, Josiah had a desire to know those things of God. It was important to him. At 16 years old, he committed that way. And we read the end of his life already in the very beginning of our chapter. He never moved from the right hand or to the left. He stayed true to what he did at 16 years old. That's what it tells us there. To be led by God, to fellowship with God. If there's no desire in your heart to know the Lord, to please the Lord, or to obey the Lord, if it's not there, then why would the Lord ever reveal himself to you? Why would he ever tell you? Oftentimes people say, well, I'm not hearing anything from the Lord. I'm like, have you, and I often ask, have you committed to do what he chose you? What do you mean? Have you committed to him no matter what he shows you, you're willing to do? Well, no, I want, I want to hear what he wants first. and I, I want to kind of, I, I want to see what it's, uh, tell me what it is, then I'll decide if I'm going to do it. It's not the way it works. You find out what God wants you to, you, fi- you commit to the Lord and then he'll tell you. You know, oftentimes, it's, it's not an if-then thing. Well, if I like it, then I'll do it. No, you have to have a desire to seek the Lord. The Bible tells us Josiah sought the Lord from the time he was 16 years old. Are you seeking the Lord? Is that true desire in your heart? There should be as a believer. The second characteristic we see in Josiah's life is that he simply began to do the work of the Lord. He just began to do the work of the Lord. 2 Chronicles thirty four three tells us that at 20 years old, Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. It's what I like to call sort of the obvious call of God. Sometimes in our walk, we we seek the Lord for specific direction or something very specific for our life, a specific situation. But there are certain things that God wants you to do that are obvious. What's the will of God for my life? Pastor, well, be a good husband, be a godly husband, be a godly wife. Honor your parents. Serve the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. Work on those things. And once you got that down, somewhere in that pattern, he's going to show you what he, how he wants you to do that specifically. You see, sometimes we have to serve the Lord generally, Just what's at hand? What needs to be done? And as Josiah hears, and he looks at the temple, and it's broke down. He sees the high places. He goes, I've got to get these things out of here. You he did not have to sit around and wait for some big revelation. To go, all right, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Where the need is. Fill the void. Fill the empty space. Serve where you're needed right now. Just start serving where you can. He started to clean up the mess and remove the false gods. He started to break down the high places. Then at 26 years old, we read, he began to cleanse the temple of God. He began to clean out the temple. He he hired people to do the work. He started fixing, buying the materials. He just started serving the Lord in any capacity, any way that he could. He had a desire to seek God. He had a desire to serve God. He just started doing it. If you're waiting for a specific direction from the Lord, are you doing what's obvious or what the Lord would obviously have you do in your life? Are, are you doing the things that of his word? Are, are do you, do you, do you, there, there's a lot of things that are just basic stuff. Are you, are you, you know, turning away from sin? Are you repenting? Are you, is your life changing? Are you, you know, being a godly husband? Are you, are you, being a godly, are you trying those things? You know, sometimes we have to work on those obvious things, those, those things that apply to everybody through the scriptures. It's not just something that's individual. Are you being a good steward with your finances? That's all Josiah was doing. He was just doing what was right in front of him, what needed to be done. I'm getting this stuff out of here. I'm getting the place cleaned up. Because Josiah had committed to seeking God, because he started to do the work of God, it wasn't long before the word of God was found, and he started to hear the word of God. You see, he had a desire to know who God is. He had a desire to serve the Lord, and he started cleaning. First, he started breaking down the high places, and then he started to clean out the temple. What happened when he was cleaning out the temple? He found the word of the Lord, he found the law of the God. Then he started hearing from the law. What happened when he had the law? He took it home. It was read to him. The book of law was found and read. Why was it lost? Because nobody wanted to hear it. I don't believe anybody wanted to hear it. I, I, I don't. God's going to preserve it. He's going to hide it for the one that wants to hear it. And all of a sudden, it's found. Josiah says, "I want to hear it. I want to hear what God has to say." I want to hear the word of the Lord in my life. If we don't ever really want to hear the word of the Lord, why would he reveal it to us? If we really don't want it, if we want to just say we want it, but he might make me do something I don't want to do. He might make me forgive somebody I don't want to forgive. He might make me go somewhere I don't want to go. He might make me do, do something out of my comfort zone. I would encourage you, if that's the case, you will be far better off if you're obedient than if you're not. I don't care if you're comfortable doing it or not. I promise you. I am so far out of my comfort zone when it comes to standing in front of people. You have no idea. And you say, well, you do it every week. I know, but it, wasn't, it, it didn't come easy. I never got to go to a public speaking class or debate or anything like that. The Lord said teach, and I started teaching one day. And I started studying and learning. And getting in front of people scares me to death. I've told you that. People, they asked me to, not long ago, they asked me to speak somewhere in town. I said, no, I'm not going. Why not? I'm I'm afraid to talk in front of people. The Lord called me to teach here. If you want to hear me, you come. Thursdays and Sundays, I'll be here. I'm not interested in being out there. I I mean, if the Lord calls me, I will. But this is where my place is. You know, this is is what's important to me. This is where the Lord called me. I don't want to go out there. Now, if he called me out there, I'd go out there somewhere. But until he does, I'm staying here. Anybody that wants to hear, they can hear here. Or on the radio, I guess. But... (laughs) It's not about me. It's not about promoting me. It's about me being faithful to what he's called me to do. But I, I wish you could know how far out of my comfort zone it really is to be up here teaching a message. Sure, you get used to it. Sure, you grow. And sure, it gets easier. But when you first start, there's two times in my life my knees have ever been knocking in fear. One was as a police officer the first time I pulled my gun on somebody. The second was when I was standing behind a pulpit teaching the Bible for the first time. And you say, how could those two be related? I was scared to death, both of them. I was, I was freaking out on both of them. Literally, physically, my knees were shaking. My leg was like, like uh, I had to stop it from shaking. That's why I have a big pulpit. I can hide. <laughs> if he ever calls you to do something out of your comfort zone, Please be obedient and do it. He will meet you there, and it is nothing better. If I would have refused to come teach God's word in Cumberland where he called me, I would get, look what I would miss out on. I would so miss out on all the things that I've got to see all the way back from the bicycle ministry to the radio station to the church to the this bill I would have missed all of that. I wouldn't trade any of that for the world because I get to see And now I say in front of you guys, it's not me, it's the Lord that's done that work. I've just walked with them. I've just said, okay, Lord, you show me how and I'll do it. You show me when and I'll go. You, do, you show me where and I'll do it. I've made mistakes. I've gone out early and had to, oh, that wasn't the Lord. Okay, I learned that lesson the hard way. I've learned so many lessons the hard way. I'm not doing nothing unless it's from the Lord. You're like, why don't you do this? You tell God to tell me, then I'll do it. Show me in his word. Show me where. You do it. It's your idea. You go do it. I'll help you do it. You see, but if he calls you to do something that's outside of your comfort zone, He's going to provide you everything you need to do it. From the finances, to the strength, to the ability, to all of those things. He will provide all of it because you're doing it for him. And that's when you get to step aside and go, look what God has done. Here in Josiah's life, because he had committed to seeking God, he started to do the work of God. He hears the word of God. Do you remember what happened when Josiah heard the law? How he reacted? He tore his clothes. It moved him powerfully. Even today... Doesn't it grieve you for the nation of Israel? I'm grieved. As I, as I, as I study the Old Testament, as I see the Jewish people, as I see it, and, and you go over there and you talk to them, and, and they're such wonderful people. When you, and those that are going, we'll see it when we go in, in March. But yet, they're so lost. They don't know the Messiah. They're, they're still waiting for their Messiah. They're still waiting. I'm grieved. You watch all these mistakes. It doesn't have to be that way. It's, I'm still grieved for him. He was grieved for the people. He inquired of the Lord, and the Lord he sent people to find out what the Lord wanted him to do. What he, what he wanted to know more. And when it comes to that word of the Lord, like Josiah heard, when you hear from the word of the Lord, when you hear the Lord say something to you, are you obedient to it? Do you respond? You see, the second thing, when people say, I'm waiting on the word of the Lord, I haven't heard from the Lord, I always ask, what is, what's the last thing he told you? Have you done it? Well, what's the last thing he told you? Well, he told me to quit have you done it? Well, no. Why would he tell you to do the next thing yet? He's not going to skip over what he told you to do a month ago, a year ago, or 5 years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. He's still waiting for you to be obedient. He's still waiting for you to do it. You're not going to hear the next thing until you've done the first thing. The Lord told Josiah three very important things. Remember he told him what would happen to Judah. He told him what would happen to him personally. And he also told him why the Lord was speaking to him. Remember he said Judah was going to be treated like the, the law the Lord had proclaimed back in Deuteronomy. He'd be desolate because they had forsaken the Lord. They'd burned incense to other gods. He told Josiah that he was going to die at, a, at an old age and he wouldn't see any of these things happen. The third thing he revealed to him was that why the Lord was speaking to him. Why did the Lord speak to Josiah? Why, why is it? Because his tender heart and his humility. His tender heart and his humility. If you want the Lord to speak to you, if you want to have the direction, if you want to hear from him, are you doing it through a tender heart? In other words, do you have a heart that's going to be moved by what he tells you? Or are you just looking for a suggestion in life? Are you really willing to obey when he says, This is what I want you to do? Yes, Lord, I'll do anything. Or is it, I don't know, tell me what it is and then I'll decide. Because I've got a family. I've got a house, I've got this, I've got all these all these strings attached. Well, Paul talked about that in Corinthians last Sunday, remember? But let's say it is all attached. Don't you think the Lord can handle it? Can't he, if he can move my family from South Florida to Cumberland and provide for us when I was a police officer down there, and I'm not anymore, if he can do that, he can handle just about anything, I think. And you know what? It's fun to watch someone else walk with the Lord. Look what they're doing. But it's even better to do it yourself. It's even better, but it's, it's no joke. When that moving truck pulled up, and you're done with your career and you're saying goodbye and you're loading up all the stuff on the back of the truck and you're moving your cars and you're locking the front door of your house for the last time and you're pulling away. It's not always easy. It's hard sometimes. But I'd never go back. Look what, I've, look what I would have missed out on and what he's doing here. I'll go wherever he calls me. And I want you guys to have that same attitude. He's not going to call everybody to start a church. I understand that. He's not going to call everybody to be a pastor and he's not going to do all that stuff. But what I'm confident of, he's going to call you to do something. He created you for a purpose, with a reason, from the way that you're made, from the way that you think. It's all specifically designed for something he has for you. And it should be your life mission to fulfill, why did God create me? What does he want for me? just breaking Josiah's life down real easy he was committed to the Lord he sought the Lord he began to do the obvious work of the Lord he heard the word of the Lord he reacted to the word of the Lord and he received a specific word from God and what we're going to find out next week is what does he do with what he had because we already the Lord already told him what's what's the fate of Judah it's not good it's going to be desolate so what's Josiah going to do with the information he has and we'll pick that up next week